Hello everybody and you're very welcome back to FNI Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network uh, sponsored by Wildcard Distribution and Film Equipment Hire slash Store. Um, hope everybody's doing alright out there. It's uh, been a wicked couple of months uh, kind of adjusting to kind of a new way of life and people are starting to get back to work on sets and um, uh, it's. Uh, I hope people are feeling a little bit optimistic about how things may go in the future. Um, thanks a million to everybody for their support for our FNI at home events um, and our various different classes and on- online talks and so on over the last while. Um, we have been supporting the Children's Ambulance Service Bumbulance, so um, we really appreciate your support on that. Um, just trying to do a little bit of good in a time when, you know, it's really uncertain out there. So thanks a million. Um, If you'd like to know kind of what we're up to over the next while, head on over to www.wearefni.com and we have a screenwriting workshop uh, with Colin McKeown and obviously one with uh, uh, Ip, uh, Ip Wishon, um, which are ongoing over the the next couple of months. And we're also delighted to say that we're, we're, uh, supported by Screen Skills Ireland now, Screen Ireland, um, in relation to our online classes and events um, for the next number of months. So keep an eye again on the website. Um, you can listen to FNI Rap Chat on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast content. Um, and of course, if you uh, want to support Film Network Ireland, our endeavors and the podcast or you know head on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash fni Friend of FNI, friend of the show, a friend of mine, a friend of Ray's who runs FNI, a friend of a friend of everybody in film <laughs> and television, uh, and uh, a, a producer, uh, an animation producer, uh, a company director, a coach, and uh, he's deadly at drawing. It's uh, Stephen Fagan. How are you doing? Hey, Paul, how are you? Good, man. How's it going? Well, I'm still getting used to these cans. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's this happening in my ear? I can hear my own voice. <laughs> so this is what I sound like. Yeah. You know, I always say this for to people that we try and get on for ages. We can't get them on because they're busy, and that's brilliant, and it's the best way to be. Um, how's lockdown been f- for you? And uh, you know, Lockdown's been interesting. I think it's been interesting for all of us. Um, we kind of had a head start in lockdown anyway, because like... Because my family, but um, mm-hmm. but I I live in a small little town in the west of Ireland, so uh, in the Midlands, um, so it hasn't been that crazy really. Lockdown was just normal really for us, um, yeah. So it wasn't too bad. Uh, I think a lot of other people had a lot, an awful lot worse. Yeah, know, yeah. So. so you were kind of, you know, I suppose when people were wondering what to do with their time you're like well this welcome to my world fuckers kind of stuff was it <laughs> <laughs> over the last while yeah essentially yeah well like the, the other thing was um animation was still booming still flying along and um mm-hmm. a lot of people are moving over to animation now for content so i mean the animation industry in Ireland, i don't think has stopped yeah i think if anything it's got busier over lockdown um so there was a lot of work from home but 
scream with kids at home and trying to organize that. So um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was it was it was a, a different scenario. What I found with lockdown, I don't know if this is this my assumption of it was that some people were locked in and they couldn't do do their jobs, and there's because their jobs are outside or wherever. And then some people like like the animation industry were like. Locked in, doing the work, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you have to keep working and knuckle down, lads. knuckle down. So there's a bit of I think there's massive extremes there for people. So mm-hmm. maybe you might tell. I know the answers to all these questions, but maybe you might tell people kind of what it is that you do and how you got into what you do. Yeah. Um. So what I do, I, I'm I've, I'm an animation producer. Um. Primarily, I've worked in animations since 2000, just nearly 20 years now. Yeah, well, I started off in e-learning and worked through different projects and so on and set up an animation studio in Dublin. And I left that then in 2018. Um, and then set up a new studio, uh, Studio Mala, in Roscommon um, last year. Okay. So it's one of those things I've just always come back to. Um, I'm also a lecturer in the Creative Leader Programme in TU. Um, I work a lot with Screen Skills Ordinance um, and uh, Animation Skill Net. Um, so we sort of the Animation Studio Lab and Favourite Leaders Programme there. And um, we coach. So I'm a big sort of advocate for creativity, I think. Mm-hmm. Really, I think it's one week. Yeah, for me personally, I've been dying to get you on um, because we've had loads of kind of conversations over a point about creativity and what that means and how, you know, how authenticity is important and how to, you know, be business minded and make the most practically of a business and how to retain your integrity within that environment and also be creative. So it's a balance between commerce, the commerce and the art kind of thing. And we've we've talked about that. So, I'd, you know, and you gave me your, your two cents on that. So I wanted to get get that kind of for the record uh, <laughs> as well. Um, how how important is it? Um, we, we had pre-organized a class with Stephen and Ray around this before lockdown, which we'll, we'll be rescheduling um, as soon as we get to go ahead to kind of be in larger numbers in one space. But um, what what does, cre- we'll start at the start, I guess, what does creativity mean to you? Oh, well, personally it means everything. Uh, I have a lot of time to think about that subject. Uh, I, I think people think what it means, and just, just I think you have to realise that what it is and that it's inherent in all of us, that we all mm-hmm. have creativity in us and, and people think creativity is painting yourself blue and doing cartwheels sometimes and you're a bit, <laughs> you're a bit odd if, you, if you're creative and to me it's not that it's, it's the ability to create something new I mean it, it, to the smaller thing if we create a cup of tea by mixing tea leaves and water you're creating something new it's, and it has value for somebody who enjoys that tea mm-hmm. and it, it sounds very sort of small but really it is that mix of things and bringing something like novel and it has value to the world, you know, mm-hmm. and even if that value is just in terms of entertainment, or it just makes a difference in someone's life. I think it's looking at the world differently, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so it means to me it means that it's for me. I, I love to find what people love to do, whether it's accountancy or whether it's like engineering or animation, and really find what really starts sparks their passion. What drives them? What drives them, and yeah. how they can build on that, you know, yeah. really, um, so. And that's what we really you can create really. So it's not always about a beautiful painting or a piece mm-hmm. of film or anything like that. It's about what you 
bring being creative or showing yeah. ingenuity yeah around yeah. around how, what you're yeah. passionate about yeah i suppose yeah, essentially yeah i hope that explains it in some abstract way but no no uh, I do, absolutely i think yeah. like there's the assumption that there's creative people and there's non-creative people i yeah. don't believe that to be true for example yeah. you know members of my family are very creative in other ways and they're yeah. certainly creative in their language yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know yeah. That kind of thing. I mean, it's it. You know, the very notion of what it means to be an artist is inherent in all of us as, as human beings. Yeah. Anyone that appreciates a painting, a sunrise, you know, whatever it is, it exists in them. I, I suppose. Am I, am, am I right in saying? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, how do you, as someone who has been in business and worked um, in a freelance capacity, then as a you know, a, a CEO or a company director in a couple of different companies at this point. Um, what tips would you give people to retain their creative integrity and and push themselves forward? Uh, you know, from a from a business perspective. Uh, so, would you have any tips for how people can kind of marry marry you know the, the commerce and the cre and, and and the art essentially? Uh, yeah, number one, I think, is uh, know your value. Um, I think in sort of creative, creative circles or the creative industry, people tend to undervalue themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, and they undervalue creativity and their own abilities then as well. Now, some people overvalue themselves, or not, but, but knowing your value. I'm uh, Shaw. Sean Pun uh, Paul's, what you call you? Paul's Pun his hand up there. Again, Just call me Shaw pa Sean Paul. Hear me uh, now. Um, but yeah, it's, I think knowing your value, knowing knowing what you add, and knowing what's what your worth is, is important. And because I'm I'm as big a culprit of it, I'm no expert and no master of of business and, and anything like that. I might have a little bit more experience, and but I don't I, I, I slip into the same traps of, as, as everybody else. Um, I think the number one thing though is that knowing your value, mm -hmm. and really reflecting on that. And it doesn't always have to be, I make awesome content. It could be, you know, I bring like organization to a production or I, you know, I can really see things outside the box. Like I, I am probably the most disorganized person in the world. My wife will agree. I am like walking chaos, <laughs> but I am slightly, slightly um, creative as well. So yeah. there's a, what my value is that, that is in creativity and, and I really empower that and others. So um, mm -hmm. I, I know that. And so people go, you're not very organized. I know, but half people who work with her who are, because I know my value, and my value is this. And I think that really sort of means that when when I go to a table and pitch what I do, or what my my company does, or what we do, is whatever. Um, really knowing what we are and what we do really means that when we do pitch for something, it's what we really want to do. And that's where the second tip is like, don't just do, do jobs for the money, do, do the jobs you want to do that align with your value. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's... The Does it take a couple things. of kind of, not false starts, but kind of, you know, experience in order to feel that way, that it's really important to leave your mark in the world in the way that you want to, as opposed to towing the line? I wouldn't even say leaving your mark. I'd say it's about respecting yourself mm -hmm. and respecting the people you work for. Like what's, what's great in Studio Mallet is... Uh, which I really, really love the team and we love what we're doing is um, mm. like my role has really changed to, just to protect the value and the creative, you know, to protect them. So you're like a custodian of the business. Yeah, you know, essentially. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, but that whole idea of like knowing your value and picking projects that really align with our value, um, it's just really sort of embedded in our culture. And like, the whole thing at the studio was being punk, had a punk <laughs> attitude to life, and just and just like walking with the system, but sticking it to the system as well. And, and because our value was as important, and um, mm-hmm. and then that means valuing everybody else, you know. So um, so yeah, really, it is a case of really knowing your value. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it initially that interested you in animation? Um, as a kid, I guess. Most animators will agree. Comic books, and then going. Like, there's no comic book drawing course. Unless you have animation, and uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Sullivan Blute was was in Ireland at the time. It was just closing down as so I went to Bally Fairman. So uh, that was that was a bit of like a bit, a bit of a downer. But, um, mm-hmm. but I, I really, it's weird for me. I was. I don't think I'm the the best. Not the best animator. Like, there's way more talented people than me out there. I think um, what attracted me was just the process of it and people working together and the collaborative nature of it and mm-hmm. that, that you can do anything in animation. You can't do everything, but you can do anything. You yeah. know, um, It's a case of like going beyond into the abstract and using abstracts. Live action can't do, you know, because you can, you can bring abstract concepts into animation that people really... You couldn't explain with like live action, like yeah. absolutely build other worlds and different realms yeah. and stuff. Stuff that just, particularly in this country, you just can't. The budgets are not there yeah. to do it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And essentially, then, like the cost of production becomes so low in animation, people can do it in their bedrooms. Yeah. So it's um, it just seems like a it's a really good way of exploring universes in your head. If that, yeah. if, if that explains so it. So would no. you say that, in a way, you're kind of the quintessential, or anyone who's kind of an animator would be like quintessentially dreamers, like big dreamers, in a good way, in the positive way? Oh, yeah, dreamers, yeah, like I, I would definitely be up in the head, up in the clouds a lot, like I'd be, I'd be, I'd be a thinker. Off, off, off in la la la, and most of my life, <laughs> most of my friends and family would attest to that. But um, yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a nice place to be, you know, as well. But there's also the practicalities of animation where, yeah, you have this idea, how are we going to make it happen? Um, I think there's an illusion with animation that people think, okay, there's loads of money in it. You make a piece of animation and then it's like massive payouts and stuff like that. Like, there's the odd hit, like the Peppa Pigs, the world, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, there is payouts. But so I think what well, it's good. Do, it's good to kind of, I suppose, show people the distinction because, the, the you know, from the outside looking in, a lot of people who are not involved think, well, Ireland's in a rich vein of form now with animation and, you know, we're making, rolling in money and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, animation itself is it's massively beneficial for Ireland. Well, hands down, it's like, if you consider that every euro spent, this is, this is true as God's statistic, um, is that every euro spent in Ireland on animation yeah. generates four euro of foreign direct investment. Wow. So every single euro. So you can understand why they're sticking more money in. Yeah. But, but you can never put it enough in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in terms of like like how that would work, like, look, look, I'm not saying it's not a profitable industry. It is. It's an actually brilliant industry. It does make, but it makes, it, it, its value is beyond mm-hmm. the money it creates. Like it's long-term employment in, in places. Um, it's like, Innovations in air animation. Like, I mean, people are doing stuff like AR, VR, going from animation. Do you know, so it's a lot of stuff there is happening from animation. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's such an interesting space to be in. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of I, I'd imagine uh, as somebody who doesn't come from an animation background, but somebody who does work a little bit in animation from time to time on VO and voiceover and whatever else, it seems to be that there's a lot of cross pollination yeah. now in a way that there wasn't before. Yeah. 
like a lot of projects. Um, for example, a business in Ireland now that would not have existed 10 years ago, which is doing right, uh, really well, is a friend of the show runs Storyboard Workshop. There's a company now that does storyboards oh, and yeah. animatics, <laughs> which is wonderful to see. So that's, you know, an example, I guess, of the progression of the necessity of yeah. valuing that work. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and what's great about animation is like you can do it like, like as a worrying boil. Studio Mala is based on Boyle, or what's coming. Um, Stu- uh, Studio Mala and yeah, Chris O'Dowd. Uh, Chris O'Dowd. <laughs> uh, Paul Young is from there as well, from uh, Carcans Leon, so I have to put you in the show. But um, it's, it's, it can be, it's, it's long-term projects in a place like that, you know, in a place like Boyle, it's like that. Um, like, you know, it's not a case of the live action crew coming in for two months and going, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a case that we can be there for years on end. And you see the benefit. Of you're really building something. You're building a long-term project. Want to build a long-term project that really aligns with the, with, the, with the space in the area. So yeah. um, there's also I think, I think animation can be seen as a sort of genre, which is not it's a medium, but um, mm-hmm. it can also be seen as this thing that does sell in plastic to kids. You know that type of stuff. Where there's a lot of really good content out there that really really wants to make something meaningful and different. And so what we're trying to do is actually trying to be that punk in that content as well. We're trying to. Like alternative in a good alternative way. genres for animation and stuff like that and pushing to the ground, ground, uh, ground and being on the fringes actually helps so being out and what's common not in the city centre actually is part of that whole thing you know. part of the magic that kind yeah, of yeah. rustic thing I mean it's not unusual I mean you look at the kind of Roger Corman that landed in Galway years yeah, ago where yeah. again Blute Don Blute yeah. speaking of which Jerry uh, Toomey my business partner used to work with Roger years ago so really? yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, be, I'll be picking his brain about that yeah there um, you go Jerry uh, Roger Corman, what? Um, so, what kind of a, for a lot of I know that from an animation point of view, as someone who really appreciates animation, I don't know a great deal about it. So, can you break down kind of the process, say, for a TV show or how kind of pitching works, you know? Yeah. Um, how the actual, does it literally start from a sketch from someone which becomes an idea, which creates a narrative, or does the narrative come first? Like which is which is like the it's the mu- it's the song thing which is for the lyrics or the or the or the music you know well, like like a song it depends every single song is different some we have the music some we have the have the lyrics um right. I think though it's, it's the idea of just I have an idea I'm pitching it like mm-hmm. I'm just someone going yeah I really like that as like it's it's, it's it's long gone I think the industry has matured an awful lot um so I mean twenty years ago. Like, there's always a sort of story going around Mip and Can and you know <laughs> oh I was met this guy at the bar last night at four o'clock in the morning I pitched my show and he gave me twenty million dollars it was amazing that type, that I don't know who who made up that story or who got it, that it doesn't happen it's if it does happen it doesn't it's happen rare. as as often as people would consider yeah. but um, but what it is now is it's a lot of thought and development because animation production can be quite expensive so mm-hmm. there's a lot a lot of work on into planning and design and so cards have to be designed according to the, to the narrative the teams and everything um, so when we pitch a project it's not just pitching words on a page and the script, which, is, it, it's, which is a hook on itself we yeah, pitch course, storyboard yeah. is it much more calculated insofar as you know what may be coming up or you know uh, you know maybe you, you've got wind of you know a company or, a le- or you know producers or whatever who are in the market for something like and then it's like okay there's a deadline for that let's work towards that or do you have a slate of ideas that you've that you're, that you're working on constantly? It, it takes so much time and effort to get a show off the ground. That's generally it's a slate of ideas, right? 
like projects that you have. Um, I've, I've, I mean, some producers are probably way better than me at that whole just thinking off the cuff and oh, they want something like this and then pitching it. Um, for us, it's about finding, and then that, it comes down to the individual studio and what their mm-hmm. value is. For us, it's about projects that we really, really want to do. Yeah, the passion projects. Passion projects, and most of them are actually options, but um, but we find something we really like and go, yeah, we want that, 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 that's that's really us. That that really matters with us, and we can really bring something to that. Um, and then some producers like yourself, like in live action or anywhere else, will say that fits that that needs. I'll go make pick something and. And that's it, you know. So it, 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 it's not just like a one trick pony, that is how you make animation. It's, yeah. it's all different ways. What I will say is there's no hard and fast rule. Like. There's no hard, and that's kind of the thing. There's no hard and fast rules, but there's certain things that we can, you know, um, you know, it's expensive, um, the money wouldn't be there as much. Um, so you really have to be clever, have your raise financing. Mm-hmm. Um, Co-production is a massive thing. Like if you, I've, I've talked to live action producers who've gone into animation and seen their first ever animation co-production and, and going, what is going on? It's like the <laughs> Matrix. We're going into the Matrix here, like just in terms of... This is actually, this is much bigger than I anticipated yeah, kind of stuff. It, yeah, and the culture is very much different as well. Like the massive cultural difference for live action animation that you probably recognise either. Yeah, but I'd imagine it's like, you know... Um, Small, there's the breadth of obviously the ambition of smaller projects or um, animation projects is no different. It's just the scale and the amount of people working on something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I'd imagine it's it's a is it a case of kind of getting over because there's that thing and we often mindfulness comes up a lot on this podcast and about. uh, I mean, if the words imposter syndrome are said anymore on on this podcast yeah. you know i think we all have it so uh, in order to do well or to sell something or to get something across the line i mean you do have to come to terms with that don't you and kind of go you know there's a difference between mm. confidence confidence is good i'm not afraid i know how good i am it's about what you were saying a little bit earlier but accepting who you are knowing your value and going right okay yeah. bang, now yeah. i'm gonna go in and and win that room or the pitch or whatever yeah and, and actually to come back the value was actually really it i mean Confidence is, is a is a variable. It, it, you know, it's the confidence is high one day is low the next. You know, yeah. but you have, you, have, you have value what you think of yourself. We have value what you know you're good at, what you really know you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. That kind of stays the same. Yeah. You know, so to be 100% confident 100% of the time means you're sitting around doing nothing, really. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's like, <laughs> so, I don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like confidence is only when you're being challenged. So, I mean, um, I think, you know, knowing your value and, is, is a thing um, I, I, I've very much suffered from the whole imposter syndrome which would feel that a lot especially when you're around like super talented producers or people have done an awful lot and you're standing there going why am I even in this room you know mm-hmm. I would have felt that an awful lot but um, I would say that when you have good people around you and you've got a good project and you really believe in the project mm-hmm. no longer becomes and they really believe in the project even the company you're working for it no longer becomes about you it becomes about something bigger and then that does sort of right, and then it becomes a rising tide raises all boats yeah. thing, doesn't it? Yeah, essentially. So and, um, and there's that safety in 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 those numbers. That, yeah, that essentially, and, yeah. And, 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 a, and a shared belief that mm-hmm. this is a good project. You know? We had um we had uh, Damien Varley. Damien Varley's an ex Munster rugby player who's now a director. Okay, uh, and he was on the other day, and we were talking about the the um the similarities between a group dynamic and an imposter syndrome within a group dynamic. Yeah. 
and he said that he very much felt as if he was not good enough. Like, you know, this is a fellow who captained Munster, you know, numerous yeah. times, played for Ireland as well. And now he's a director. And the new challenges and the similarities between, you know, um, your creative consciousness feeling as if you're not, you're not supposed to be in that room. But then, the, you know, the when the whistle blows, you're out and you're doing it. Is, I mean, can we ever win this battle against feeling that way? There is no f fix, is there? It's like you're supposed to feel that way in order to be humble enough to do the job. Yeah, well, I suppose whenever we're being challenged, you know, that, that, those things will come up, you know. Um, I mean, from my own experience, I mean, whenever I felt unconfident, when I felt I wasn't being supported or felt, and, you know, or ever felt like the imposter was when you're surrounded by people that are, have achieved so much around you. Um, mm -hmm. I think in animation there's a lot of that as well. And what happens though is, like just a, there's a friend of mine who's a good story about artist and he really sort of phrased it really well. I said, um, you know, as an animator or an artist, we compare ourselves to the whole, you know, and that we're part of as well. So, mm -hmm. We go, um, so a, a filmmaker or an art animator or an artist or whatever goes on Pinterest and he sees all this beautiful work, or goes on Vimeo and sees all this amazing work and they, they go, I could never do something like that. Yeah. And why, am I, why, can, why, why is my work not as good? And they don't realise that maybe there's an army of people behind that or maybe they're really good at one thing mm -hmm. that they're not good at, they wouldn't love you to be part of. Yeah. And so we sort of compare ourselves to the whole world. That's like they're automatically losing. There's no way you can you can't win that fight, you know. Yeah, it's so, the yeah, yeah. But you know, the other side of that is you might have that David and Goliath moment, you know, yeah. where he's a really have you read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book on David and Goliath. I don't know that right. And there's a really interesting concept in David and Goliath that, uh, and the person who was actually the better chance of winning was actually David. There you go. Statistically. Yeah, based on the science, but they know now that David has a better chance. Well, yeah, well, it's that was, messy thing, low centre of gravity. And no, it was actually, yeah, uh, <laughs> David, David was running down the mountain, so he had, and he had a slingshot. And back then, a slingshot, was like, you could go, go for like, a couple of, couple of hundred yards, you know, like, and hit someone dead on. Yeah. And Goliath, they reckoned by his height and size back then, you probably had a halberd, which is a short, a short sword, <laughs> you know, or a short uh, spear. Yeah. And... By his height and the size, that he's probably had gigantism, which causes blindness. So he couldn't, he probably couldn't even see David running in the mountain before David hit him. So, therefore, David actually has Has the, had the, had the, had the tactical advantage. Yeah, yeah. But we all go David and Goliath because you think of this big, big, big guy in armor, not realizing that maybe David had a significant <laughs> advantage there. It's so, actually a lovely way of looking at things because you realize then, do you know what? We all have you know you're a storyteller breaking down traditional stories and you know, ah. <laughs> and reassimilating the whole... them. Um, yeah. But you're dead, you're dead right. I mean, uh, self-analysis in that way, or even in, in terms of that, yeah. what you said, is a great analogy in terms of looking at deconstructing how people look at things. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and finding new ways in. I mean, we might kind of talk a little bit about coaching and stuff and how that works. Um, Stephen will be coaching for uh, Screen Skills and their new mentorship program as well. Um, how, like, what what is it you, what are the key characteristics you need in order to, I don't know how you approach this. Do you look at someone and go, assess them and then go, well, I'll, 
I'll w- come up with a strategy to help them in that way, or is it? Do you have a kind of a blanket way of working? Or is it dependent, like a counselor? Is it is it like dependent on who you're talking to, or how does that work? It's it's an interesting um, thing with coaching. Like I qualified to be a coach uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I'm going through a sort of tough time myself, and I said, "Let's take up, take up a new thing to do because that's what people do, right?" Yeah. But um, I give myself something else to think about. But um, so anyway, I I took up coaching, and I and because I, I, I had a habit of just really wanting people to do well mm-hmm. in conversations, you know, I, I I I maybe sort of would go, "This is what you need to do with your life." Type stuff, and um, yeah. I'm very, I heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I very quickly learned that coaching isn't about that. Actually, it's actually it's. It's actually one of the most rewarding things I've ever learned to do. Right. Um, I'm, it's one, one of the things I really value now a lot. Um, and I sort of open my, 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 my eyes and my world up to a lot of people's and, and perceptions of how we think and talk. Um, but coaching essentially is nothing to do with telling people how to live their life. There's nothing to do with like me no more than you, or not, and it's definitely not therapy. It's more of a case of like, Helping you find the answers to you, and by giving you different questions, posing questions, posing questions, and it's obviously it's it can, it can be formulaic, it can be you know set rules and set tools you would use, but it's essentially just ways of trying to get you to answer the questions that you might not have asked yourself, and getting yourself very away sometimes. So usually like, like the lack of confidence or the like um, the lack of understanding of your own values gets in the way of people succeeding moving forward and yeah. coaching really is, is that is helping you to move forward so generally how coaching works with me is just a conversation with people yeah. and then try to ask, ask a few questions to get, get those little ha-ha moments but when they do get those ha-ha moments and they do um, they really just to clarify the ha moments are not like aha it's more like <laughs> yeah where everyone breaks down into into yeah. an animated sequence <laughs> uh, yeah but it yeah. you know yeah. the, the light bulb isn't it it's like i didn't yeah. think of that stuff. yeah yeah and but what's great is i don't see it as a way of saying okay this way you have to usually what someone puts a question or says makes a statement and then yeah. you help them break that statement down to the point that they go oh do you know what I'm getting it myself if i do this instead it would be easier or you know, and really do that. Um, there's a lovely part in coaching, and, and it's, it's what really sort of made me keep doing it. Doing it um, mm. was when you talk to people, especially with, there's a program I work with. Uh, I was working with uh, Animation Skill Net on called Animation Studio Lab. Mm-hmm. And part of that I was doing some coaching, um, and there's a lovely part and a lot and that where a few of the participants were were doing this, and it was one of my favourite things ever was they would realise what they wanted to do. And they would say, like, like they, someone might want, want to be a director or animation director or storyboard artist or whatever it was. But they were so afraid of actually saying it. Just mm. actually saying it. And when you get to a conversation and they go, like, I want to, I want to, say, I want to be a director. And it, it would literally come from the from their gut. And it, mm. like, like, and they just, they, they would, it would come, they'd come out of them and they'd just laugh, with just a joyous laugh. Yeah. Would, and it was just like, this is why it's worth it. This is why it's all worth it. And, um, what's great about that is like you just really want that person to do well then mm-hmm. and go with it. and all they need to do, they have an art star to go for now and they just want to go for it. so that's what coaching really is for me is that's bad. an interesting way of putting it, an art star to go for yeah. um i think everybody needs that don't they they need that yeah yeah that um purpose or, you know or something to or the courage to go after what they're supposed to go after 
Yeah, yeah. Well, even it's the greatest. It's the greatest shame in life when people don't do that. It's yeah, a waste yeah. of talent, I guess, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and even knowing what that is for us, just to start to name it, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of time we don't even name those things. So I think as artists, and that comes back to the whole confidence thing and, and the value thing as well, is that uh, we don't even name what, what it is we want to be. So then we sort of go, well, I want to be that. I want to be this. I want to be this. I want to be that. I want, and then. And then we sort of be a jack of all trades, master of none type scenario, mm-hmm. um, where, where the people really go, I really want to do this one thing. I want to get really good at that. And that's that's my main. That's all. That's all that matters to me. But and don't we live way. in a don't we live in a society, particularly in this country, where if you do a lot of things, you're told you have notions. Yeah, you, know, you couldn't possibly do that, 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 yeah. and that. Well, you're yeah. supposed to do that. That's what yeah. you do. You yeah. know what I mean? Putting people in boxes. Yeah. Well, like, we, I, I do a lot of things. Yeah. But I do all, do all sort of annoying because I like to inspire, motivate, and encourage creativity in people. But did you find a resistance, maybe not from people, not from anyone in particular, but did you feel, feel a, a, a general resistance in any capacity from any anyone or any anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, me. me. Yeah. I mean, my poor family, like, where go, <laughs> I've got this good idea. I'm going to go do this. And they go, just do what you're doing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and they're right as well. Like, I think as creative people, you go, I did it, and you just drop everything else and go and do it. So, I have this like now, I'm a nice place for everything, so I feel it's grounded enough that I can go, That's a great idea. I'll put that to the side for now. I'll keep focusing on what I'm focusing on, or else, you know, I'll, I'll tip along on it later on. But, um, I think, yeah, well, it, it is a, it is a, it's sort of the opposite side of the kind of being creative. Yeah, you have loads of ideas. But you have so many ideas that you never get them done. It's like three stupid syndrome, all trying to go through the door at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. nothing gets done. But where some people would sort of go, this is a great idea, and just go with it, and then it get done. And go, Execution. Yeah. I suppose you learn that with experience, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah. I might talk to you about focus in general. How do you, do you practice any sort of um, mindfulness or meditation or anything? Or what do you do when things get a bit hairy sometimes? Um, professionally, I mean, things um, get on top of you. Do you? What do you do? I know you do. Like I know you do a bit of running and you exercise, exercise yeah. quite a lot as well. So not to have a COVID belly now, so I wouldn't say that much. <laughs> um, um, COVID punch. COVID punch. <laughs> um, looking good. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think like I talk about exercise and talk about and reading a lot, and I do. Um, but like everyone else, I slip and I. All of a sudden, I haven't been exercising in a week or a month. And I mean, chocolate bars, and so it's it's a constant thing. I think though, what I do is I like I'm lucky that where the studio is, like is where 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 I live is just lakes and forests, and we just go for a walk and you know hang out and mm-hmm. like every morning before I walk for a few months before a lockdown, I was going to Lockheed Forest Park and I was coming and just going for a walk. And this lovely, beautiful, like, like natural treasure. You haven't lived until you visited Lockheed Forest, Forest Park. Park. But no, it's it's actually it's gorgeous. Um, but uh, I do that. I mindfulness wise, I think um, I like talking to people. I, I actually, what I find helpful is talking to other people and sort of see how they're getting on. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I do listen to the Headspace app, and I'll just do sort of ten ten minute like. You know, headspace meditation just to calm. Wipe the, the slate clean, Re- recalibrate yeah, for a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, love learning, love drawing, um, love reading. So anything, anything that I love, I'll just do. You know. Um, we ask a question of everybody that comes on the podcast. Yeah. How do you 
personally deal with rejection? Because there's lots of ups and downs, you know. Rejection. Rejection is not a bad thing. Mm. Rejection's like it's a great leveler. Yeah, I've been rejected all my life. <laughs> it's just a norm. <laughs> um, I, 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 it's how we perceive failure and success. I think is by rejection sometimes. And it's like, you know what? Rejection is not. No, that's it. You're not good enough now. It's just, you're, not, you're not good enough forever. It's just this is not up to scratch now. What? So I was like, what do we need to learn from this? Like I've definitely been rejected more times than I've succeeded. Like um, I mean. But I think you have to perceive rejection as just a test. I, don't, I mean, great sports players don't go on the field and, you know, and lose and they go, oh, Jesus, I'm rejected. You know, mm-hmm. that's the same test for us as producers and filmmakers, that we don't go to a broadcaster or our funding body and say, here's my thing. And they go, no. They go, no, because. And they go back. And then mm-hmm. if you think it's good enough, you'll work on it and improve it. You know, it's... When if someone rejects you and you go, well, that's their choice. I'm, I'm really good, and they don't go back and go, well, what can I do better? How can I how can I fix this? What 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 what, what way can I get around this this issue? Mm-hmm. Um, and not not looking at myself and figure out as a way to learn. You know, then so then rejection becomes a thing of like this terrible thing because I didn't improve upon myself. Yeah. But if you look at rejection and failure or anything, but like chance to go well what wasn't working there what did i do wrong mm. how can i make that better john i um, think it's um like the very notion of winning and losing is is a construct that doesn't exist yeah um yeah and it's a very black and white psychological construct yeah. which people place too much value on definitely definitely um yeah. do you think i mean it's like you said there's only learnings you know, and I don't want to pull out any Conor McGregor type quotes here. You know, uh, when I learn uh, nonsense, uh, yeah. which in essence, some of some of that stuff uh, is right. Um, but you know, the notion of, um, I mean, in animation, film, and television in general, there's always that kind of the grass is greener, or, you know, why did that project get made? Well, the reality yeah. is, am, and, and am I am I right in saying that? They had the courage to follow through on it and learn and fix it, and w- whether or not it's good enough is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, follow through, really. They did it, and yeah. you talked about it, and that's the yeah, difference. And this is literally it. I think um, people, even if you see, everyone does it, don't they? Do especially like students. Not not a class abroad generalization on students and people with less experience in production, <laughs> but would go. Oh, look at that ad. I did that myself in my bedroom and, or whatever. And I look at that thing. Oh, that, yeah. That's really easy. And there's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Where, the, 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 yeah, the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. Superiority bias. No, it's essentially what, it's simply the less you know, the more you think you know. So it's confidence, confidence. Yeah. It's a, co- a cognitive, uh, I've, I've done a bit of research on this as well. It's a yeah. cognitive bias where people have a superior, uh, uh, an unjustified superiority. Yeah, essentially. Where not based on fact. And they're unaware of it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but basically, the idea is like, that they're learning a new skill. They go, I'm really good. At the start, they go, oh, this is really easy. I'm really good at this. And therefore, everything else in this our sphere that's related to the skill is really easy. I'm amazing. <laughs> and then they don't realize, then over time, you go, you learn, you go, oh, this is actually a bit more difficult. So your confidence server drops. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a point where it levels off and then your confidence and confidence server increases then because you know you're really good at it. And, you have, and, and, and the evidence is there. And the evidence is there. But it, it's a natural thing in all of us. So, um, where was I going with this? 
forget what I was going to say. You're saying something about Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it, it is, it is um, that thing of like failure and learning as well. It goes back to all that as well. Just keep on learning. You know, we, like, and those little knocks in your confidence are just a chance for you to go, well, what didn't I know? Mm-hmm. You know, really, that's really... Yeah, well, how, how, yeah, how can you, you know, correct, right the wrong? On the next yeah, thing, it sounds very philosophical and like you know, but yeah, uh, no, we've all like. But it's true, right? Things, I mean, yeah. you you know, you make changes and you you move on, you do good things, or you stay yeah. in the past. Yeah, I think the 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 main thing though is um, the whole thing of like knowing in art stories, and if you're that person that just, you know, I wonder this, I wonder that, I wonder this, and then if you get rejected, you get rejected, you get rejected, it's because well, you kind of oh, you know, I have to go back and walk on this, but maybe it's not where you want to walk on anyway. Yeah. Work on what you want to work on, and then get there. And, and it's all those little simple things that Yoda would say. <laughs> you know, but, you know, <laughs> I'll show you. Oh, try, I try not. North Star, you yeah. need. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, any tips? What would you? What tips would you give to yourself, kind of starting out, looking back now, or which would I suppose apply to um, you know young people, kind of starting out in the animation game in particular? Um, geez, uh, know your value. Um, be kind. Mm. Uh, you don't know what's going on with other people um, and we're all in it together so, so you have to walk well with others you know um, yeah I was going to ask you how you deal with difficult personalities but I was going to say you'd probably just go sack them <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually I don't I don't um, exactly. Um, <laughs> depends. Okay, How do you do? No, but uh, um, you know, it comes up and obviously on sets as well. It's not vastly different. Yeah. But how yeah. do how does how do you negotiate from a human resources perspective difficulty? I think I've learned a lot over the past few years on that particular thing. Um, there's a time and place. Like I think, be kind. Always be kind. Animation and live action are very like vastly different sort of cultural differences, especially in production. Yeah. Where like I'm assuming like a live action production is like a couple of days to a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Where animation are talking like years, a year, eighteen months. So you know, you, 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 in, a, in a live action shoot, you can go and you can just you can stamp your feet and get things done, and you can walk away and go. I never had to talk to that person ever again. But in animation, you're in there for eighteen months, and you can stamp your feet and and, and do those things, and then. <laughs> You see the next two weeks later, two months later, and you're like, you know, so, mm. so culturally it's different. I think um, dealing with difficult people, like I, I don't think there's difficult people. I just think there's a if you be kind of try to understand where they're coming from, but also be kind to yourself and, and then as well. I, I used to think that it was about being nice, but actually it's a bit more about being kind. It's affording people the kind of the same same yeah luxury or space yeah. that you. But yeah. most importantly, because you know. A lot of people, one thing which is common with a lot of successful people is they attribute a lot of that reasoning that you, you've just mentioned there to success, but they also neglect themselves in that. Yeah. They're so busy looking after everybody else yeah. that they're not noticing yeah. what's creeping up on them. Yeah, but being kind to yourself as well. That's kind of why I say be kind over being nice. Um, mm. I, I think sometimes you can be nice and people just walk over you and, you know, because you're not, but sometimes you just, Kindness is the best way to go. If, if you just give people a bit of listen, you know, and see if someone's been aggressive or, or difficult, usually it's because they've got their own problems, you know, mm-hmm. and their own issues. And, you know, especially now when the toxic masculinity has become a thing, you know, and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, that's something like we all have to start learning a bit more and start saying, okay, be aware of like, you know, mm-hmm. people are 
bringing aggression to places, which I don't tolerate aggression. I just, I, I just think you know everyone deserves a place to, to be happy in. You know, and if you're, if you're working, you know, and spending one third of your life in the, in the job, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be in a place where you feel happy in yourself going into it and give so you can give your best work. You know, mm-hmm. um, difficult people in a in sort of a eighteen month production. You know, I, was, I, I I couldn't I couldn't stand it. I, I honestly couldn't tolerate it. You know, yeah, couldn't deal with it. You know, high pressure situations are bad enough as they are. Without Mm-hmm. Especially if you know, especially in your game where there's a lot of people in a lot, you know, in in yeah. rooms, yeah, in very close quarters all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're more spaced out now because of COVID and lockdown. We're all working remotely, but uh, yeah. I just think be kind, listen, you know, and you know, if someone's not a right fit, then they're not a right fit. It's nothing to do with them. It's just sometimes culturally you don't fit. Um, but you have a responsibility to be kind to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm, I mean, culturally in terms of a workplace and work. Mm-hmm. Behavior, you know. So, um, so for student matter, it's very important that like we really accept and, and diversity is a massive thing for us. So, and the reason why that is because diversity is a massive part of culture, yeah, uh, of course, of, of yeah. Cre- and creativity. Sorry, more so. So we can't have creativity without loads of different people thinking and coming from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So even for that, if we have someone that's difficult and not allowing other people to to have their space, you know, that's that's an issue for me. So yeah. difficult people are. Are kind of dependent dependent on the situation and on the on the environment. And if you put like a really aggressive person in Wall Street, yeah. they're gonna like you know they're gonna be grand because their whole thing is like make money. Where yeah. for us it's like difficult as someone who is just not giving other people their space. So maybe that that difficult person is in the wrong place, yeah, or the wrong culture. Yeah, wonder you wonder about the why. Someone said to me before, you know, if you yeah. encounter aggression, if you encounter difficult personality, um, whatever it may be. Don't wonder about the why if someone's attacking you with a hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you just sink a hammer into my forehead? Yeah, yeah, I think with that time we've stopped thinking and just <laughs> bleeding out or somewhere. You, you know, yeah. different, yeah. obviously different circumstances call yeah, for different yeah, actions. Yeah, and there's actually one of those things and sort of a big sort of massive interest in uh, cultures and organisations and organisational culture. Yes. And it's really strange because in the Creative Leaders Programme, and um, there's a few people who worked on the VFX and until I've accented things and how, and said how much more like aggressive that can be. Not aggressive, more like so more assertive, assertive maybe. But um, and like you have people like putting their feet down and stamping their feet, and like productions can be very like hardcore. And you know, just you do that and you just. But there is a space for crisis management in crisis situations where. Mm. And if you, look you at forgot it, the first rule of a crisis the situation. situation. <laughs> Um, but, we'll move to we'll move to someone. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> it's it is that thing of like live action. You're going into a crisis situation every single time. Yeah. You know, and because you got this, is what has to happen now, 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 and go and do it. Where in animation is like steady flow, get it done, and it can be fixed. It can yeah. be fixed. You know. So um, so yeah, so it's definitely just culturally. There's more room to maneuver yeah, in yeah. animation as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really yeah. positive thing. Um. Yeah. What's happening with Studio Mela? Mela? Mala? Mela? Mala, yeah. So uh, we've been going a year, just over a year now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, people are saying, that he's, he's really around for forever. But uh, mm-hmm. we've been going uh, just over a year now. So high oh, yeah, end 2D paperless animation studio. So basically our whole focus is uh, breaking new ground on animation and doing things a little bit punky and different, you know. So uh, we got our first show on the Kirkland Farm in Toulouse this year. Lovely. Um, which we presented. Um, we've just pitched for development funding for our first feature. 
Um, we've got a couple of TV shows on the line in terms of projects. Um, so Amazing. yeah, it's going pretty well. So yeah, you go fun. Follow us in Studio Mara. Not yeah. bad, not bad, Studio Mara. It's lovely. Um, I'm, you know, uh, I really appreciate this because I think um, unless you're kind of in a in a bar in town, kind of. Uh, Airwigging, you wouldn't have heard us talk like this before. Yeah, Ray's, would, Ray's heard it and he couldn't give a shit. Yeah, and who would want to listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah says yeah. the podcast host. Yeah, um, yeah I think um, I'll just I'll, I'll end just a, a, a general kind of question about animation in Ireland. Where do you think animation in Ireland is now, and what can we do better? Uh, where's animation in Ireland now? Because of COVID, it's 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 kind of in a strangely good place. It's very doing very well. The industry has grown. There's like thirty studios now in Ireland, Um it's very collegial. Everyone's working well together. Um, more training needs to happen, um, and that's kind of across the board in the audiovisual sector. Anyway, and it's been great support to us. Anyway, skill and screen Ireland, screen skills Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, They've really upped their game, particularly in the have, last in the last oh, year. It's amazing, oh, unbelievably so. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if if someone could write a book on how to do it, that would be it. Um, but where's that now? I think it's nowhere near the potential it has. It could be, it could be, it could, it could be huge. It could. I, I, I genuinely believe animation can really sort of propel Ireland out of whatever recessions are coming towards, wherever. it's just, imagine a factory that has endless resources. You know, we don't, we're not relying on coal or turf or anything like that. We're actually just people power, mm-hmm. creating great content and Ireland's amazing for it. So I think it's still in its infancy and it's already creating great success. I think there's so much potential for animation. We could actually be like, like huge here. Um, where it's going, uh, it needs an awful lot of support. It needs a bit more funding. As a producer, I always say it needs more funding. It's just, you know, sorry, sorry, funding bodies and broadcasters, but uh, it is, it is, um, and that's just the way it is. But as I said, every euro spent in Ireland on animation generates four euro of foreign direct investment. So it's a no-brainer that way. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you have like Cardinal Slim as an example, but most in Galway and. If, uh, Elk in Dundalk, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's some studios actually outside of Dublin, and the impact of those studios actually in towns, you yeah. know, and how they get the social and economic effect of a studio, yeah, you know, it was massive. So, I think animation could be the feel good, good effect as well, you know, if you, yeah. you, you know, it raises spirits, it does in yeah. an area, you know, yeah. to know, and then the pride, then, if something does well, it's like this happened here. Yeah. And, it, and it engages people yeah. in a positive yeah. way. It can become yeah. more than a business. Yeah, yeah. We're at like two or three thousand people working in animation in Northern Ireland at the minute. Wow. For, for a small country, that's pretty big. We have a massive like younger population that's just dying to get into it. And yeah. I mean, is it still the case now that, you, you know, the country is not churning out as many animation professionals as it needs to, yeah, so that a lot more. of people are being shipped in. We need more, yeah. yeah. Way more. And that's the thing, like even now with people losing their jobs, and unfortunately, I mean, there's, there's, the space is there in animation. Um, like it's not just been able to draw, it's, it's accountants, it's it's it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's engineers, it's IT professionals, it's uh, lawyers. You know, we, we need everything because what animation does and is actually, I've only talked to a friend of mine about this yesterday, is like, if you ever want to learn business, animation production is the best way to learn business. You won't make loads of money in it, but it's the best <laughs> way to learn because it needs everything. It needs accountancy, lawyers, it needs design, innovation, it needs people management, HR, everything. 
So, I mean, people should definitely be looking towards animation as, as, a, as a career path, if it's not directly in the art and creative, because other supporting things that, that need to be done there. So, uh, yeah. but definitely, I mean, even production management, producer management, coordination, training, I mean, it's all required. But the, the scope of animation and the potential of animation to really benefit our economy and small towns across the, across the country, and, you know, it's massive. It has so much potential. So, um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's still in its infancy. Still Absolutely. Out. I mean, you know, famous examples, Cartoon Saloon and so on, you know, it, yeah. you know, yeah. we need to support in order to have a greater level of success, you know, yeah, yeah. Across, and it's great that you like, the, you know, what you've done and where you're doing it as well. You know, bringing a little bit of Dublin <laughs> to Roscommon, you know. No, no well, in fairness, like, we've been, I'll just sort of say they've been, Roscommon's been, been, been based on what's come has been fantastic for us. Yeah, I'd say you've huge support. Yeah, I mean, like the rap fund, the, uh, Sarah Dylan, the Gobi Film Centre, and the rap fund has been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, local enterprise boards have been fantastic. Uh, WTC, um, you know, the local community in Boyle has been fantastic. Um, it's it's been like a very, very pleasant experience so far uh, and I, like, actually one of the reasons for moving there was not just the fact that I lived halfway down the road it was uh, um, I was thinking you know the average wage in Dublin Joe, isn't enough to support people really anymore mm-hmm. but if you were to live like if we can create like animation jobs in the west of Ireland where you could live pretty well comfortably with mm-hmm. one, one income of 40 grand a year, 30, 40 grand a year, you actually live pretty well, you know, um, and have a really good quality of life with, with that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, uh, that's I, I found myself chatting about this a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, and what, like, what, the people I was chatting to were kind of echoing the same sentiment, it's like, I can't afford to live in Dublin anymore. Mm. Why can't I, like, why can't I be a director and get, and, and be, and have the same opportunities that are available to me in Dublin somewhere else. Like the, our, our job yeah. opportunities or whatever it is, or just mm. earn the same level of money and not have to worry the half. Like it's been a wake up call, like yeah. even with the, you know, PUP and, you know, uh, the COVID payments and so on for a lot of people. Now we're in a weird place with COVID and, 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 and getting back to work or freelancers who are like, I know freelancers now that have, are afraid to take jobs because they're worried that they won't make rent. Yeah, they'll take it. They'll get cut off in some way, or you know, the, the ambiguity of what's happening at the moment. Yeah. So it's it's a it's it's a weird one, and you know, credit to sound like Roy Keane now. Credit to credit to you know people like you that are going trying to think outside the box and go right. Let's do that there. That yeah. needs to happen there. Yeah. You know, there needs to be more of that in the Midlands and, you know, yeah, definitely. and different places, yeah. you know, all around the country. And and that's what we try and do now, FNI, is, you know, yeah. by going to festivals and stuff is to try to, you know, just engage people in different areas and people yeah. should feel part of the conversation and the equation. Yeah. And even even to think about, like, if you, if someone's to set up a studio, like, I mean, there's uh, the, off, the offline festival in, in Boer, you yeah. know, there's yeah. a big push there to set up, like, a production community there, you know. Um, but think about it, like if we can get like studios and post houses and production companies to move west, yeah, uh, and, and to move elsewhere to Dublin, you know, there's a benefit of a tax credit, region uplift for the time being. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's also like you know, like the 
benefit to the area is massive. Like, one one of the benefits for us, if by setting up in a in a, in a, in a town like outside of Dublin, outside of the main city, is that you know, I have big big love of Dublin. Like, I'm from, I'm from here, I love it. But uh, <laughs> um, is that like you make a million euro in Dublin? That's like a drop in the ocean. This debate is gone. No one sees it. Yeah, you make a million euro, bring a million euro into a small town that's been like left by, by the last recession decimate or whatever or anywhere you know, anywhere like you see these towns on the coast of state still and you bring a million euro worth of work there mm-hmm. and it creates four or five jobs and they cross four or five people have those jobs maybe you've got the families there then you're actually not just getting that production made you're actually making a difference to the whole area mm-hmm. and you know and that's that's something that really sort of attracted me to set up again you know? so it was more it was so much more than just starting a business oh yeah I mean I mean we want to make you know, we want to make money into our business. It's, it's, it's not. It's not about. I mean, no one really. I kind of like what you said. How do you manage to be in the, in the business and the creativity stuff? And it's like you know, it's if you're doing creative stuff and you're doing following what you need to follow on into art and the, you know, you have to be prepared for the struggle of it. Like you know, it's not about really making money. Really, mm-hmm. you know, it is obviously to an extent you have to survive. But beyond that, it's about doing something that has value. Yeah, alter- yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I suppose being altruistic in a way or leg- like leaving a positive and encouraging kind of legacy maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah. And not yeah. not a, not an ego trip, but, you know, a legacy insofar as this was a good thing that helped yeah, yeah. in some way. Know, bit, and entertained, yeah. yeah. Have a bit of fun along the way as well, like, John Wynn. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, again, diff- difficult people, why would you do it? Like, there's no... Life's too short, <laughs> you know. So it's the whole thing of like doing what you love to do, and and then find a place where that doing that will actually create the most value, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so for for me, having a studio in, in Roscommon, um, having a boil, having a having a, a massive effect there, and um, makes a massive like reason to do animation, like you know, um, mm-hmm. not just like, any altruistic thing. It's it's literally think this wouldn't this be great that we're here, actually make a difference here. Um, really, so yeah, yeah, it really uh, staggering stuff. I mean, it's amazing what you can do when you actually take a few yeah. well, calculated risks. Yeah, well, I have to say, I mean, the team we have is just like fantastic. Like Sean's a career director, and he's like just a talent. And then Sinead and Eve, like Sinead, shout out, whoop, whoop. Sinead and Eve, Sinead, the art director, super <laughs> talented. Eve McKenna, our new production and community manager, and, and Jerry Toomey, our financial director. So, we've got a really good mixed there and everyone comes from different angles so yeah, yeah. that's really been what has really worked for us as well having that team of people and, and beyond that the animators and the artists obviously who have been just fantastic like, and the amazing to work with um, guys um, if you're interested in seeing a little bit more about Studio Mela go to www.studio m-e-a-l-a studiomela.com uh, Steve thanks a million for coming in thanks Paul um, do you want to go for a pint? I'd love to enjoy them. <laughs>